Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Stuff. Like, I wish people really understood that. It's they crazy. Don't. We always have the most fun when I'm here. This is this is <laughs> kind of true. Odd, <laughs> crazy. Make her feel like that. <laughs> I just had one near her. Thank you. I'm going to stand. And I'll stand with arms high you know and heart do. abandoned. Oh, shoot. I do what if you off. stood with your heart high and your hands abandoned? <laughs> <laughs> Where did I go? <laughs> My hands abandoned me. That's funny. Where did your hands go? I don't know. They just left. I don't know. They said they were going to go get cigarettes and they never came back. <laughs> no. <laughs> I got distracted because I realized an error on my thing. So sorry. Sorry. I'm, I really missed out on a funny one. Did you? Oh, I, I have absolutely no idea what Jason's you're talking saying, about. Jason's saying, so I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. What if you said with your heart high and your arms abandoned? Your hands abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> they went to go get cigarettes. <laughs> they went to go get cigarettes and never came back. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to It's funny because I don't have a dad, so. <laughs> I can resist it. It's yes, like, you, you do, like, Jason. The dad laughs. That's why it's funny. <laughs> when you say things, then I think, why? Is that funny? It's like, it's like that's drool. not funny. It's <laughs> callous humor. You got to find humor in that stuff. Come on now. Oh, all right. Are we ready to go? By the way, this should not be on the pre-recording. <laughs> Too bad it is. <laughs> Pastor Jason, wow. Uh, I don't well, have a dad. He... <laughs> <laughs> I've been recording for the last two minutes, and as soon as you said that, I was like, well, we're not going to have a bonus clip this week. <laughs> I feel like if you uh, do that, you got to play like Sound clips like, tr- like <laughs> chirps, crickets, <laughs> and like put deers, deer in the headlights looks. What you do is you cancel it so it sounds like nobody was laughing when everybody was. And that- <laughs> yes. All right, you ready, guys? Yes. All right, yes. all the giggles are out. No. We'll see. Never. Hold on. <laughs> oh, all right, here we go. Hey, this is Jason. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Hope Olmstead, Megan Bevis, and Jennifer Colby. And uh, today we're actually continuing in, actually it's almost the last part of our whole series on God Is. And Jennifer, you preached on Sunday. Yeah! Brought the word. What's up? Bring the fire. So, okay, so because you taught, tell us a little bit about what Sunday was, where you were heading, and then we're just going to dig right into it. And we're talking again about forgiveness. Yeah, I think it's just this really heavy topic. And so often we want to receive God's forgiveness, but we don't want to forgive other people when they've hurt us. And yet scripture clearly tells us and it commands us repeatedly that we're to forgive other people. And so, um, yeah, I just, it's really funny. Um, I said this, but God basically, Jesus, when he's talking, basically has this like PS moment, this postscript, if you will. Like he has the Lord's Prayer. This is how you should pray. And oh, by the way, I'm going to tell you again, in case you didn't get the first time, that forgiving forgiving other people is really important to me. And it's, well, so last week uh, we had Bethany Knowlton who just crushed it. Bethany Knowlton. Yeah, she did great. 
what did I say? Nelton is her husband's name. Bethany, yeah, Bethany and Nelton. <laughs> yeah. Noriega. Whoo, that okay, thank you for catching yeah. that. Bethany Noriega, whose husband is Nelton, who is the pastor at Genesis. Yes. And she talked about deliver us from evil. And now what was great is she got up Sunday and she's like, Hey, uh, P.S. everything the Lord wanted me to taught on, he said, Don't teach that now, and so I'm I don't have any notes. Which freaks me out. <laughs> I was nervous for her. Like, okay, Jesus, it's time to show up. Oh, and she I, did awesome. She did, you know, one of the things that she talked about, and it actually it flows into this. And Jennifer, on Sunday you talked about this, is forgiveness is what how we know that we've won. Um, but that even that deliver us from evil, part of that deliverance is one of the ways Satan attacks us is through unforgiveness. And that's uh, probably, if I were to say, the biggest issue if that comes in is that so often we can fall into the trap of forgetting that unforgiveness really causes a lot of issues yeah. in us. A lot of pain. A lot of pain. When you, uh, when we were talking about this, I mean, let's, let's read the text, uh, Matthew 6, 14 through 15. It's kind of the, the PS, the postscript, as you say. And again, some people might've been like, Hey, why are you teaching this again? Didn't Jason just teach on this like four weeks ago? Well, Jesus felt it was so important. He reiterated it. Uh, and I think here's the text. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, we'll get into what those words actually means. But uh, when you think about forgiveness as God's character, I mean, you touched on this, Jennifer. It reflects God's character, God's kingdom, God's provision, His guidance, His leading, and His deliverance. For for you guys, when you think about this role of forgiveness, which one of those does it really hit you the most on? Like, if there was one that you're like, man, I really think about the kingdom and forgiveness, or I think about his character, which one kind of resonates with you most? I think for me, uh, deliverance, because I think it it sets us free. That's that's really what salvation is all about: is us being being set free from our sins, but also when we forgive others, we we have that release. We have nope, you're. I'm not going to hold you captive anymore yeah. to this sin or to um, what you've done wrong to me. So it's that deliverance of just being able to yeah, let it go in a sense. That's really good. L- little uh, little Elsa there. For little you. let it go. <laughs> uh, I can go. I think for me, I just think about God's guidance and it's leading. Sometimes I think we're just so distracted. We, just, we don't know the way the Lord wants us to go. We just yeah. don't know the way. And yet his forgiveness and forgiving other people is almost always a part of the path. Yeah. And so it's like, I may not know which way to go, but if I can focus on the fact that A, Jesus forgives me, and then B, who do I need to forgive? That is a path to freedom. Yeah. That is a guidance from the Lord. And I, I think you could even take that a step further. And who do I need to ask to be forgiven by? Because all of us wow. have hurt Absolutely. people. Absolutely, yeah. Like, it's so easy to think about, well, I need to be forgiven from Jesus, and I need to forgive others, but how about the people I've hurt? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a strong one. I think, that, <laughs> I think that I think that kind of goes into the deliverance stuff is part of that is your own ability to acknowledge, hey, I've caused hurt in people's lives, mm-hmm. and maybe there are people I need to ask and say, would you please forgive me for this? That's hard. How about you, yeah. Meg? I would say more character sticks out just because I think I'm someone that, really strongly desires to have good character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And part of that is choosing to forgive and leaning into that when it's difficult or persevering, pushing through, doing hard things to better yourself. Um, so I guess I resonate more with that one and securing or finding my identity and who God designed me to be, oh, not yeah. always who I am. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That's great. When I think the Lord's Prayer becomes a process for us, like when we, this whole Sermon on the Mount, 
Uh, I'm yeah. reading Dallas Willard's uh, Divine Conspiracy, and he's actually focusing really heavily on the Sermon on the Mount. And every part of it really brings us back is that if we're going to look more like Jesus, it's not just about attitudes of Jesus. It's actually being. It's the doing that flows out of who we are. And forgiveness is a big one, which for me, kingdom is the one that really connects with me, is I think one of the ways that sometimes the church has not always modeled well is we talk about forgiveness, but we don't really do it. Mm-hmm. So we'll say God forgives you your sins or forgives people, but we're the first ones to drag people through the mud mm-hmm. uh, or to bring up stuff. And, and we're still human, and I think we need to be careful not to put on Christians or the church. We're not Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church, but the church is filled with broken people, and I happen to be one of those broken people. Uh, but that's the part for me is I look at it and I'm like, I want when non-Christians come or people exploring, unchristians, people who are choosing even not to, I hope their interactions with me, with the churches I'm a part of, are they go, wow, there's, that's a really a forgiving community. Yeah, Like they allow people to be broken and messy. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder how often... Um, uh, Jennifer, I'd be curious to hear from you because, again, you came, you come from this, the, uh, a different environment. You worked in a call center, nine Roman call center. You get to hear some of the worst of the worst experiences. And I'm sure there are people like you hear the things that they're going through. When you hear that, how does that, how does that hit with you? I mean, just from a, a thinking about the role of forgiveness, part of what a 911 dispatcher does, often people are calling in their worst moments. Yeah. And sometimes most painful. How has that affected you and how you look at the role of forgiveness in people's lives? Well, this isn't really from my years of dispatching, but I read this um, from a counseling perspective from a, I think it was a psychologist or psychiatrist. And uh, he said, basically everyone he sees, they come there for forgiveness. Mm. That either they need to forgive themselves or they need to forgive somebody else. And um, that that really stuck stuck out to me and certainly from the 911 call center like the calls that come in there there's stuff attached to that mm-hmm. we just as the as the call taker we just see the like kind of the the climax of that event but there is stuff all after that that has to be dealt with yeah and significantly yeah. you know and so but when the when the psychiatrist i was what i was reading when they quoted him i just thought wow like that is so true and even when you know i probably you probably see this too but even when i meet with people yeah it's forgiveness that they're needing or wanting. I think as a culture, we don't know how to forgive. We don't know what even what that necessarily yeah. means yeah. too often. Well, and even in that, Jennifer, you one of your first points was talking about God's definition of forgiveness. And I remember in the, when we were doing the uh, sermon read-through, I struggle with this because the way God forgives, like, he's God. He can, he can erase his memory. Literally, in his mind, he can erase the fact that sin even exists in, in his thoughts. I can't do that. And I often felt almost an attach, a, a shame attached because I was taught forgiveness is never holding, a, not keeping a record of wrong. That's from 1 Corinthians 13. And yet if I don't keep a record of wrong, I allow myself to stay in an abusive situation to possibly be more hurt. And some people will say, well, that's the heart of Jesus is putting yourself. I don't think the gospel ever tells us to put ourselves in toxic environments. And sometimes the church has caused more harm with that. I mean, I, I've known individuals, women who were told, well, you need to honor and submit to your husband. I know he's beating you. I know he's doing these things, but you know that's what it means. I'm like, no, like it. it I think that's where the church sometimes has missed that. So let's let's look at these real quickly. So Which, can I just say something? Quick? Yeah, please. If you are in an abusive relationship, get safe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like and, we want that. We want we want you to know that we care for your physical and emotional well being. Yeah. And 
reconciliation is possible. Forgiveness is possible. Healing is possible through the name of Jesus. But until it until that happens, get safe. Be safe. And yeah. and I, I appreciate it because the world says just get divorced. And sometimes, and I hate to say that, and this isn't a conversation about divorce, but how often does divorce happen because of a lack of forgiveness? Yeah. Um, I think the world's response is, well, you just need to divorce immediately. And and I don't get me wrong, there are cases, even the Bible clearly says there are times when divorce is an option. And it's one that still breaks God's heart because the damage of divorce is so real. Um, but the world's response is, even with when it comes to unforgiveness, there are some sins that someone does something, but you don't need to forgive them. But you're the one who stays trapped. Um, but on other places, the church sometimes has told people to stay in those situations, causing more harm. And I love that you just said that is get safe, get safe. And if there's not repentance, if the person is unwilling to move, I, I do believe there are cases where divorce might be warranted. Um, but we also believe in a God who redeems and reconciles. Amen just as he's redeemed and reconciled us. Uh, let's let's real quickly look at some of these definitions of how God forgives. Um, and, and Jennifer, you taught on these. So God sends away our sins by hurling all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. That's Micah 7, 19. Uh, that I, what, was, what was the idea? Like a shot put? Yeah. Uh, like God takes all of our the worst things in our lives and just kind of throws them into the bottom of the ocean. And what came to mind for me is uh, the Mariana Trench. It's so deep we've never been able to fully explore mm. it. That's a great idea. There's a great thought that when something is hurled into the sea, a human being can never bring it back up. God could, but he chooses not to. Uh, God covers... And, and humans can try. We'll try. Oh, we'll certainly try. But what God has buried yeah. stays buried. And I, I love that. Um, you had when God, God covers over our sins and puts them behind his back. Say more about that one. That's Isaiah 38, 17. Yeah, it's just really this, uh, this visual or this word picture that God stands between you and your sin. And, and that he's look he, he he's not looking at it. it it is literally behind him he cannot see it he he doesn't it's not behind it's just not behind him when he looks at you when he looks forward he's looking at you yeah. and when you look at your sin you have to see your sin through Christ yeah. and so it's just kind of this beautiful word word picture of like of him just coming in between and and um yeah separating you from your sin and yeah you're gonna say something yeah more? I, I think just how beautiful is that that Christ can see us without our sin. Like he can see us for who the the person we are. But how often, like you said, do we try to look at our reflections and and see everything that is damaged with us or, you know, what we think is wrong with us. But God sees us as the perfect creation that he made, you know? And I think that's so beautiful. He also doesn't see the sin done to us at that point. If all sin is taken care of, it means he sees us whole. Yeah. Because sin, unfortunately, takes pieces of us. I mean, every time I sin or I'm sinned against, I lose a part of myself to that sin. Either it becomes a scar or a chipping away. And the wholeness, the redemption of Jesus is this idea. It's not that Jesus doesn't know you're broken, but that he sees you for who you truly are, your true identity as a son or daughter of, of God. Um, I It's just a little tip, and I, I loved on Sunday that you actually gave us a tip on how to read the Bible, which is start asking good questions. But here's another one that's helpful is anytime you see when it says words that makes God sound like a human being, like God puts his sin behind us. Well, God is spirit. Jesus became man, but God's not some old guy sitting up on the clouds making judgment calls with a big long beard and pointing fingers at people. But the reason why we do that is I can't fathom an eternal being who has doesn't have flesh like me, which is why God became flesh. Um so he uses this, it's called anthropomorphism. He uses something that helps me relate to God. 
So, for instance, I can't see behind me. I have no idea. I it's the we have one of the things we've talked about in staff is I don't know what it's like to be on the other side of myself. Just like I don't know what it's like to look behind me. I've never really seen the back of me, ever. I've seen pictures of it, but it's not the same as actually seeing it. Just like I've never actually seen my own face. I've only seen my face through a mirror or through my own dysfunction. So when I look at my face, I see all the imperfections. Well, that's not how God sees me. And, and this goes back to that. So when it says he puts his sin behind us, it's this idea is that God has literally turned his back to our sin, not to us. And that's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, third one, uh, God wipes away our sins, blots out our sins, sweeping away, uh, sweeping away of, like a cloud, Psalm 51 and Isaiah 44. All right, now this is where I was grateful to have a woman preaching on Sunday, because you were talking about oh, tell, talk about this whole blotting thing. Because as a dude, I'm like, that's a thing. So you were talking about the blotting of sin. Like it was a whole conversation during sermon read through. Uh, this is, should be a side note that I'm not good at doing laundry. But, um, <laughs> you know, when you think about blotting, so blotting is like this gentle process where you take, uh, you know, you you take the thing that you're using to clean and and you go to the fabric, usually a fabric where the stain is, and you just gently apply and to bring up the stain. You just gently like kind of twist, kind of kind of touch, kind of, and but it's gentle. And, and it's a repeated intentional thing. You, yeah. you can't just go in and like scrape it off. You, you Which have is what I'd of... want to do as a dude. I just, or I mash my finger into it. No, oh, this will get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Megan actually had a really good point in sermon read through about um, the, the thing that's doing the, the blotting. Would you, could you share that? Yeah, so I said when you're blotting something, you're applying force to it. And the thing that is applying the force is removed, and it now has the stain or blemish, whatever it is, on it. So when we think of that as God doing that to us, how cool of a picture that is that he blots out our stains, and he now carries our stain where now we are clean. We don't have one. But it's gentle. It's done purposeful. It's not... A hard, messy scrub and like ferociously attacking the stain. It's just done nice and neat, and that really is the best way to get out a stain. Yeah, mm. and over time. Yeah, like so, I think there's just so much advantage that the Lord like slow. Like, I mean, I, He forgives instantly, but we don't always receive it that way. So the fact that there's like this yeah. continual, like <clears throat> this continual cleansing, this like slowly returning back to perfection. Of, of, I don't know. I just think that's a. It's just a really cool way to look at it. So what came to mind as you were saying that, and this is an interesting way of looking at it, is that each of these are a different way that God deals with our sins. But I think it also shows sometimes God offers forgiveness in different ways. So like, for instance, some of us carry so much shame that we literally need God to take that sin and shame and cast it as far away from mm-hmm. us as possible. Um, others of us, we need to realize that when that God doesn't see our sin, he sees in Jesus, he sees who we are as a son and daughter of the king. And then I was thinking about this, there are some of us who've had maybe maybe the reason why we're caught in that sin is because a deep wrong was done to us. And yes, he could take it away, but the way, he, because he's gentle, he doesn't bring shame. So it's, it's the person who was victimized for a long time. And maybe it takes them years to experience that forgiveness, but he's so gentle in how he does it. And the cross of Christ was the way Jesus, Jesus was the one who took that sin. But I just, I, I never thought about that. Sometimes, even the way it talks about how God forgives, each one, I think, meets, God knows how to meet you in your sin. Absolutely. Even in your sin, he knows how to meet you best with forgiveness so that you end up coming out on that understanding his grace and mercy in a different way. Oh, that's um, cool. Then the, the fourth one was God removes our sin. And that is more the scraping away 
uh, which is, you know, for me, I'm like, I, I'm a horrible when it comes to stains. I just want to get rid of them or I'll cover them. Um, and then I love this last part, and that is forgiveness is never deserved. It's a matter of grace. Um, I think one of the things that we talked about, and I, I'd love to hear maybe your thoughts on this. It's hard to fathom because I'm not God. And so I don't I don't know what it's like to take somebody's the shame that they've done, especially if it's done towards me, and just throw it far away when I'm the one who has to carry that. Um, I don't know how to forgive in such a way that I can take on that person's sin and shame by forgiving them without it hurting me. So what does it look like for humans to forgive? I mean, we're we're a mirror reflection of that, but God can do it because He can literally do things we can't. What does forgiveness look like for us as humans? That's a big question, I know. That's a big one. That's a big one. I think having just the, um, not not just throwing it away, you know, saying, oh, I forgive you, I forgive you, but having just that intentionality of um, being able to set it aside, even recognize that, yes, it still might hurt you. That still can be trauma that you have to deal with. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't remove it from your memory. It doesn't remove <clears throat> it from... Um, that the fact that it hurt you, but the fact that um, I don't know that you can still forgive, but still move forward. I love that. So maybe maybe one of the ways that forgiveness takes place is it's that ability to move forward because yeah. forgiveness mm-hmm. wants you to be stuck. Yeah. Forgiveness always looks backward and in the moment, or not forgiveness. Un- sorry, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, unforgiveness yeah. always moves you backwards and always gets you stuck. Or maybe forgiveness is saying, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we need to move forward in yeah. a healthy way. And it's choosing that healthy way that matters. And going way back, I think it also, unforgiveness tempts us to sin. So it tries to keep us in that sin pattern and not experience the true freedom of forgiveness, of letting go, of Mm -hmm. moving forward, but keeping us in our muck. I think for me, one thing that um, I feel like God's been working on in my heart is forgiveness for me looks like, um, and actually I'm going to preface it with this. I don't believe God calls us to reconcile all relationships. There are some relationships That's that right. are toxic. They're, they're unsafe. I, I think God calls us to forgive. I don't think he always calls us to be best friends with them again. Okay. But there are some relationships where they are, those relationships are a part of your life and, um, <clears throat> that God is calling you to be a part of them. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I feel like the Lord's really been speaking to me lately is, um, you're, when you you are called to forgive somebody and part of that forgiveness for a person you have to have a relationship with or you get to have a relationship with, part of that forgiveness is being your true self again, not being guarded, yeah. not being allowing yourself to be vulnerable again with them, knowing that very well they could hurt you again or they could touch that button again or whatever, but still choosing out of forgiveness because the relationship is worth it. The person is yeah. worth it. That's good. Well, and I wonder how much of that also is you know, it's one thing, so let's say and say Jennifer walks up to me one day and just punches me in the face. I'm like, what the heck? Why'd you punch me in the face? Sorry, I was having a bad day. <laughs> okay, I can forgive her and maybe we can move on, okay? But that's the next day she punches me again. I go, what the heck? Why'd you punch me in the face? Well, I was just having another bad day. Well, stop, right? Now, if I go the third time and she keeps on punching me in the face, I'm part of the problem at that point because I'm. there is a point in which a relationship is just not healthy. But I think what happens, some people... You have one instance, and now you just write people off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I think that comes from your own bitterness and brokenness and mm-hmm. stuff. But I don't think that's also an invitation that God is saying, well, just keep on getting hit in the face. Um, there's that, what is it? Uh, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. 
fool me three times, shame on me again. Like I keep on putting myself. I think part of one of the things that the church has done to sometimes, I'll, I'll use the word re-victimize victims, is we tell people, well, Jesus says turn the other cheek, forgetting what the, the intention of that verse is about. And you can listen to that in the previous messages. But um, how do we how do we encourage people to seek forgiveness, but also still recognize there are some relationships that God is saying it's okay to set up a boundary there. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that I always know the answer for that. I think it's situational, but yeah. I don't think we should give up so quickly. That's why so many marriages end quickly, because well, I'm done. Maybe God wants to restore and redeem something. Mm-hmm. Um, you look like you were going to say something. No? No. no I'm, that's just, okay. I'm just in total agreement with what you're saying. Awesome. Well, that's, that's always good when I'm right. So, Just a little bit longer and it won't be. Um, so then we talked about the signs of unforgiveness. And, and all, I think all human beings have different ways of handling and showing unforgiveness. But some of the ones that we touched on, I think this is from Ephesians. Yeah. Uh, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, malice. Excuse me. Uh, how? What are these effects? I mean, a few weeks ago we talked about that they've shown science that unforgiveness actually causes harm to your body. That bitterness, rage, anger actually has physiological effects on us. Um, how do you think these kind of manifest themselves? I mean, I know in myself, I'll, I'll tell you, for instance, I don't get angry really quickly, but I can get bitter. Like, anger is not a core emotion for me. My, when I do get angry, it doesn't last long. I tend to forget anger pretty quickly. But bitterness is one of those ones that I, I can hold for a while where I just, that illustration you used of cacao, is that how you pronounce it? Cacao. 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 It's, yeah. it, it sounds it sounds like, like a chicken or something. A, I think it's a crow. Cacao. A crow, a crow. Cacao. Yeah, cacao, whatever. Cacao. We're talking chocolate. We're yeah. talking chocolate. <laughs> um, that's for me. That's where I go personally. How about you guys? When you're when you know when something's festering, what tends to how do you feel? I can tell you that I go, uh, I get angry, um, but it internalizes where mm. I let my thoughts kind of spin and kind of go crazy. And I think of the worst possible scenario, and I think of I, I put you know bad intentions on on that person, and I um. Yeah, I'll, I know if I need to forgive someone if I can't get it out of my head. Oh, yeah. So so that's some good awareness. How about for you guys? I mean, self-awareness is a big part because you may not realize you have unforgiveness if you're not aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I don't necessarily go straight to a brawl, but, <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm the sure. slander part of it, for mm-hmm. sure, of the, the it, from my anger, talking bad or saying things that aren't true even or that aren't towards that person um that's probably my weakness yeah and i I think it's the reason why this is important to talk about is if you see that then you have the ability to go oh that's like the little warning light on my dashboard saying hey there's some unforgiveness here how about you hope or hope just forgives everybody and never struggles oh never ever uh no Uh, for me it it starts out angry and then it, it becomes to almost this seething inner rage and then it becomes very very bitter and where like you said jennifer not being able to get it out of my head and that's you know that's the only thing that i can think about when it really really wounded me you know and and this is this is an important conversation which is why jesus talks about it twice i mean he tells us to pray about it and then he does the ps the postscript on it which by the way i did not know that ps meant postscript so i learned something many things i mean i could be wrong but i think that's what it means it does that sounds right thank you hope (laughs) um 
and this is, I think, why important forgiveness is so important, why we need to talk about it again, is all of us have been hurt by something or someone. Yeah. And every single one of us has also hurt somebody. And we will continue to be hurt, and we will continue that's to right. hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even if the more we look and become like Jesus, we're still, that's going to happen, mm-hmm. often through misunderstanding. I mean, I think about how easy it is. You you think you say something, and you think you, saw, you said it the right way, but the other person... They hurt it the wrong way, or maybe they're having a bad day, or maybe you you touched a nerve that didn't sure. know it was there. Yeah. Um, so Jesus goes into this why Matthew eighteen twenty three the unmerciful servant, and one of the things that I, I find interesting about this whole conversation around forgiveness is usually we're so quick to demand mercy, but can be very slow to give mercy. Like when I'm the one who sinned, I think I deserve to be forgiven, but if somebody else sins against me, I almost feel like it's my right. To be angry. And that's kind of the nature of Matthew yeah. 18, right? Mm-hmm. Um, say, what did you learn in, when you were studying that? Say a little bit more what you kind of processed in and through um, uh, the unmerciful servant. And, and how does that play into forgiveness? Well, you know, one of the things that I that, that just really hit me was God has forgiven us wholly and completely. And it's like this kind of it's kind of a large debt, right? Like mm-hmm. all of our sins for all of our life, he's covered. And yet when somebody offends us in just a small way, even just one offense, we are so unwilling to forgive that. But we forget that that sin is also directed, first directed to, towards God. Yeah. And, Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's like, we, we just, we look at it and, and we go, I'm not willing to forgive you. But yet God, the creator of the universe has already declared that he has. And so we put ourselves in this place of, mm-hmm. of Godship where we say, well, well God, we can't forgive it even though God has. It's a form of idolatry. It's a form of idolatry and it's a form of self-worship. And and I just I just think about that. Um, so that was something that I kind of took away when I was researching and studying. Well, it, when you think about that, because he talks about a small debt, the servant owed him a small debt and he wanted him to be thrown in prison and how quickly we can be offended over small things. Like, and it's such a human reaction is... I can do something huge, and I just expect you to glance over it, but then somebody does something really minuscule to me, and I'll blow it up into, out of proportion. And I, I know I'm guilty of that. Uh, and I think this is why it's so important for us to remember that first we have to pray, forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins, and help us to forgive. Um, because until I remember how much I've sinned, the debts I bring, once I look at the scale, and even if I look at the scale like in Megan, if I go, you know, I've, I've hurt Megan at times. And if I were to take that scale, and maybe she hurt me that one time, I can go, but what about all these other times that, and Megan has shown me grace, why can't I show grace here? Mm-hmm. But what tends to happen is this, that one thing happens and I want to, well, no, this weighs way, this weighs way more. Like this, you don't understand. And it's usually not. It's something in me that got hurt. And it had nothing to do with Megan. Mm-hmm. It had to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that identity, when, how does identity help you understand forgiveness? So the more you understand your identity in Christ, how does that help you forgive? Hope's nodding her head. <laughs> I just called you out. Sorry, he can erase it's that, okay. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think um, our identity is purely in Christ and what Christ has done for us. And so having knowing knowing that Christ doesn't see all of our baggage and you know that he does just see who we are. And not all of the things that we've been bringing along with us. Like he, he, he defines who we are, 
regardless of whatever else we've messed up with. So I think identity and forgiveness, I think, are very hand in hand. I just got this picture of Jesus showing up at the airport and me coming with all (laughs) these loads of bags and Jesus going, seriously, did you have to pack that many? But he would 100% (laughs) pick you up from the airport. We're only gone three days. (laughs) You're gone three days. Why do you and I have 15 bags? Well, this is all my baggage, Jesus. (laughs) Wow. And you know what I got to think about when Hope was talking was, yeah, we know that Christ is supposed to be the one who defines our identity, but we also know so often he's not the one. We and so here's things, yeah. and so here's the thing if even though if Christ uh, says we're forgiven but our identity is coming from somewhere else another person that is preach going to be it's going to be hard for us to understand that that really is who we are that really is true of us yeah I mean well, in parent like I like I think of parenting I think yeah. there are so many parents uh, or I should say children who just for whatever reason, don't receive that forgiveness and that full acceptance from their parents. And so they they assume that that's true of God as well. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I think when the sin happens to maybe hit that nerve of your identity, so if Jesus is not your identity, and if somebody does something that goes against maybe that idolatry that you have, it's amazing how territorial and hurt you'll get. You'll get. Um, so like for me, as an Enneagram 7, I love my freedom. I love my ability to, to have fun and to do things, but... When you, when you do something towards me that limits my freedom or causes pain or reminds me of pain, it hurts way more than if you hit something I don't care about. Sure. And, and sometimes I find my freedom in experience or I find my identity in experiences. So this is I've done this, which is why I'm a storyteller. Stories are part of my experience. Um, you know, we, we talked about that, uh, that torture, that unforgiveness. Ultimately, the only one who's really held in captivity is you. And in Sermon Read Through, we talked about the difference between torture and torment. Uh, torture is inflicted by somebody else, where torment is self-inflicted. Uh, the Joshua Ryan Butler wrote a book called The Skeletons in God's Closet. A phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. And if Joshua Ryan Butler ever reads this or hears or this. Or is listening to this podcast. Or is listening to the podcast, you know, because, hey, he might. Or Bob uh, Goff could be, too. Or Bob Goff. <laughs> we got to get our Bob Goff in, our regular. Um, but he describes it as uh, hell as torment, that God doesn't torture anybody. Hell is self-inflicted. You chose not to come to the party. And now you spend eternity on the outside going, why didn't I listen? The same thing with unforgiveness. Like how many people, they're going to hit 50, 60 years old, realize they live their entire life in bitterness. Mm-hmm. Going, why did, I, why did I not work to do the work of forgiveness? I've lived this life filled with hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does it actually mean to say that, does, that God does not forgive us if we do not forgive? Um, you touched on that a little bit. Say more about that from Sunday. Um, so we talk about that our salvation is secured, that there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. And so, and, and if, if at any point we think that that is true, that that's not the gospel, that's not, that's not what the Bible teaches us. Yeah. And so here we have what seems like a contradiction to that because we have God saying, well, if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive. And what we find is what he's saying is like, hey, your forgiveness from the, from, the, from the day of your salvation, that's secured. That's not changing. But your day-to-day relationship with me, the daily day forgiveness even, that there's going to be an effect to that. We're going to yeah. have a, a brokenness in our relationship. There's going to be a fracture. And part a result of that could be that you don't experience my true for You just don't experience my forgiveness for yeah. you. It's there. You're choosing not to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. The... Uh, when I, when I taught on this a few weeks ago, we talked about in marriage, like my wife and I get into a fight. And if we don't have it, if we don't forgive, if we don't work to forgive each other, 
we're still married, but our relationship's not where it should be. You know, maybe we're not talking, or maybe there's that, you know, that. You're not laughing. We're not laughing together, or, uh, you know, every time we see each other, there's that clear obstacle. There's the awkward stare. There's the awkward <laughs> stare, or the. Or awkward avoid. Or the walk where I'm not even looking at you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking your direction, right? I know no married couple here has ever helped, had that problem. Um, but you're still married. And so I, I think we have to be careful not to associate if you're struggling with forgiveness, especially when it's a really hard sin. Yeah. Like when, when you've been a victim or maybe there's deep trauma, sometimes we can leverage this against people to bring more shame and or fear. Oh, my gosh, if I don't forgive this person who abused me, then I'm going to hell. No. But it is to say God takes forgiveness seriously and that when you choose to not forgive, you are actually putting a wall in your worship. And maybe that's a way of looking at it is you're putting a wall up in worship so that you don't have direct access anymore. Now that what gets in the way between you and God is that that bitterness, that hurt, that anger. Yeah. And God's like, no, I want you to release that just as I've released you. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about that that taking offense. And, and I've used this illustration before. Offense, a fence, is something that puts an obstacle up. Mm-hmm. When we take offense, we're literally... Sometimes people do something and I'm choosing to be hurt by it. And then what do I do is I take that and I put a fence between us. I took a fence. And I think the whole point of this prayer is that the kingdom, what it looks like to follow the follow Jesus, whose character represents this, the God who provides, the whole point of the Lord's prayer is this is a God who is meant to break through sin, not stand captive to it. And, and that's a challenge. And I'll still, I mean... I wrestle with this. There are some things that have happened in my life that I have to daily come back, sometimes daily, and go, Lord, I'm just really, really feeling angry. Help me to forgive. Help me to be reminded that this person is a human being. Yeah. As you're talking, I was reminded how painful forgiving others can be. Like, sometimes it causes physical pain, but we just, we put up those fences to try to protect ourselves when in reality it's hurting us even more because we're not working towards that restoration and that yeah. freedom with that other person maybe. But yeah, so you can put up a lot of different fences for different reasons. But Well, and some fences are meant to be decorative, but usually when we put fences around, it's because we feel unsafe or we want separation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when we lived in Minnesota, <clears throat> you could tell the difference between neighborhoods because we'd go to one of our friend's neighborhoods and they had no fences and the kids would run from backyard to backyard and, you, they, they, there was a truly a, a sense of community. community. Yeah. And then you go to another part of Rosemount and there's fences between every house. Mm-hmm. And some of them are high fences. Like some fences just so you're like, this is my property. Don't go on my property. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even like how they took care of it. So if they had trees, it wasn't, well, I have to, I have to rake my trees. This is my section. No, we, we rake together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sometimes those fences, we think they're protecting us when in reality they're just hindering us mm-hmm. from full community. Uh, if you were to say, Jennifer, in everything that you've done in this, and I think this is one of the things that for me why I love preaching, is that before I preach to anybody else, I have to preach to myself. Were there things in this that as you were working through this that you really felt like God was speaking? You don't have to get super personal on it because maybe there are personal things God's working on. But were there things that you were learning in this that God was like, Jennifer, this is, I want you to sit in this. Yeah, I think I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but it really was this idea of um, how do you forgive and truly enter into a, a reconciled relationship mm. without without those fences, without building walls between yeah. you and the other person. Because 
building those walls and those fences is evidence of unforgiveness. It's evidence that you truly haven't forgiven. And so that kind of, for me, was, um, and I just, and also forgiveness is just a hard topic. And so I just prayed often, like, Lord, what, what does this mean? And, and what are you trying to, what do you want me to know? Like, what do you want me to do about this? And so, um, but I kind of, I think that's kind of the, this big takeaway of like, how do you still be in a relationship and be completely you mm-hmm. and completely real and completely vulnerable when you've been hurt? And how you do that is through forgiveness. But then the problem with is like in the process of forgiving, there's going to be another offense, right? And so it's one of those things where it's like, while you're working on forgiving this other person, how do you also simultaneously show grace towards this next thing and work on working on, you know, work on forgiving on that? And how do you still stay as real as you can be and as open as you can be and not close yourself off? Because that, that is... Um, that's that's from the enemy. Yeah. That's not the abundant life. The, you know, as you're talking about that, one of the things that I think is I was kind of thinking about just as you were sharing. If we were to look at the themes of all Scripture, forgiveness is a theme that extends all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Every book in the Bible has some theme of, of forgiveness or the need for forgiveness somewhere in it. I can't think of one book that doesn't. Mm. And maybe that's why Jesus hits on it so often. I mean, think about every encounter he had. Uh, the, the paralyzed man, get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, the woman caught in adultery, who well, stands here accused, nor, nor do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. You are forgiven. Uh, the, every encounter, Jesus was constantly dealing with this issue of forgiveness. And it's, it's so easy to look at it and go, well, why do we have to keep on talking about it? Because it's a big thing. I mean, it and really, it's hard. It's, it's not easy. Well, if God had to send his son to deal with our yeah. forgiveness, how easy is it for me to figure out how to forgive? Like, And I think that's the other side of it is that we all, all everybody would understand that when some, a wrong has been done, we want justice. And typically the way we want justice is some form of payment. Sometimes it's literal blood. You know, I want my pound of flesh. And then I'll forgive. I'll forgive once I've gotten my payment. But that's not forgiveness at that point. That's justice. And and so it's as we were talking, it just really struck me. I've never really thought about how forgiveness seems to be that theme and what the, the goal of forgiveness is all about relationship. It's a restoration of relationship. From Genesis to Revelation, it's God working, doing the work of forgiveness. Oh, so, okay, that brings to the, let's, let's end with this. How about working towards forgiveness? Like, what is the hard work? Because it is, it's work. It's not easy, and some people, I think that's why they like it. When you think about doing the work of forgiveness, what comes to mind? <clears throat> For me, it's usually sitting with God, before God, and asking the question of where am I wrong? Mm. Why is this hurting? So what's my what? part in this? Yes. Oh, wow, yeah. And then figuring out. You are so much more mature than I <laughs> Okay. But it, it helps me to, because God is so loving and and gentle when he points things out. Yeah. I'd rather hear from him than someone else. That's really wise, Megan. Yeah. So when I have those moments, then it's way easier to be like, oh, I've wronged this person or I've done this. Or if someone comes to me with something I've done, first of all, I'm usually mortified and feel really bad. And so keeping in mind, too, that most people's intentions are good. And so if they've done something that's hurtful, <clears throat> yes, I can go to them, but 
I try hard not to take up offense really quick, but mm. it is hard. But sitting before God, sitting with him in a situation, I have found to be helpful. Something you mentioned made me think about this, and this doesn't answer your question, Jason, but... Um, it's okay. And I can't remember what it's called, so it's not going to be helpful in that regard. I forgive you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really this idea that in if I'm feeling a certain way out of a conflict and or a wrong defense, if I'm forgiving, or I'm sorry, if I'm feeling a certain way from that, probably that's how the other person feels for me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to do just a lot of heart-checking, too, of like... Um, I really felt abandoned in this. Yeah. But then also I kind of abandoned them in the process, yeah. you know, yeah. like kind of some of those things. And um, remind me what your question was. I don't remember now. Okay. So long ago. Oh, what is for? Is oh, it, doing the work is, of forgiveness. Oh, doing the work. Okay. <laughs> uh, for me, it is just that it takes time. Yeah. And it's just like any other discipline. It's like working out or eating healthy or, you know, re- finishing a book or, or getting your degree or, or whatever that long-term thing is. That's how forgiveness is. And it means you have to show up every day. It means you have to be Ooh, intentional good. every day. It means you have to consider it every day. That means every day you pro- you have to consider how you hurt. Yeah. That's not fun. No. But over time, in the light of the Holy Spirit and, and through him, you know, then we it is way better to have the freedom in the end of it. It's way but it's way it's just so gratifying to be like, this doesn't hold me back anymore. Um, but it's not easy. Yeah. So, so I uh and I, I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've shared this story in a sermon or not. When I was in my uh, early 20s, I've had two encounters where I, I heard the audible voice of God. And whether or not anybody else heard it, I doubt it. But it was like I'm talking to you. It wasn't an inner voice. It wasn't uh, a still small voice. It was just like someone talking to me here. And I was probably 21. And I went to La Jolla Shores. I grew up in San Diego. And La Jolla Shores was still my favorite beach to go to. And I used to go there at night when I was stressed or when I was frustrated or I just needed to be alone. And so I'm like walking 1130 at night out on the beach and there's nobody around. And I was pretty angry. I was really angry with God. I've been going through a hard time. 19 to about 22, I call them the God blinking years. Like, God, just don't watch. Just don't watch as I make some really dumb decisions. And I remember walking and this was the second time I had heard this voice. And all of a sudden I hear this Jason and I knew immediately who it was and one of the ways that I know when I have unforgiveness is I get sarcastic. So when I get sarcastic, that's how bitterness comes out for me. The word sarcasm literally means to eat flesh is the, the transliteration of it. And I turn around and went, what? <laughs> and God said, um, I want you to look out into the ocean and see what you see. And my response, because it's 1139, was nothing, it's dark. He goes, look again. And I said, I see waves, so what? And he goes, Jason, do you realize that since the beginning of time, every time a wave has crashed over this beach, it's a different beach. Either because one grain of sand has been moved or an entire cliff gives way, it's never the same beach. It's always different. And I started sobbing. And I remember just sitting there and he said, Jason, I'm passing a wave over your life. And you're never going to be the same. And I'm crying and I'm like, but God, what about all this trash on my beach? What about all this garbage? And I still remember the Lord saying this, don't worry about the garbage, worry about the wave. Just be present in the wave. Let me do what I'm going to do. And I can still remember that moment. I, I went to a friend of mine who, uh, very skeptical, but loves Jesus, just a skeptical person. And I shared him, shared the story with him. And he goes, Jason, you're too dumb to think of anything like that. That was the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, praise okay, Jesus. All right. Um, but 
I think sometimes the reason why we can't forgive is because we truly have not sat in God's forgiveness. And I remember that. That moment truly was a pivotal point. And I still remember those words and I still remember that voice. And I, I've never heard it again. That was the last time I heard it. But I needed it. I needed to understand because I really was. There was so much shame of just bad decisions and things that were I felt following me. And I couldn't see what God was doing in my life because all I could see was the things that I was doing wrong. And I wonder how many people, and maybe you're listening to this, and maybe you need to hear that from the Lord. Maybe you need to hear that God wants to pass away over your life and that you're never going to be the same again. Um, the problem is sometimes we chase and want to go backwards for what we used to have instead of being present in the new thing that God is doing. Um, well, here's the thing. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for being faithful and sharing God's word and preaching on Sunday. And yeah, Thank you for the opportunity. Um, well, I'm excited. You, you know, one of the gifts, and I know Jennifer doesn't want to hear this, but I so appreciate the gifts that you bring in teaching and preaching. And uh, I love the fact that I feel like our staff as a whole are growing in how we communicate God's word. And my hope is that if you're listening to this, um, the reason why we do the Breakthrough Breakdown is we want you to hear the conversations. Like, we really do. We take these conversations seriously. The sermon read-through is not just so we can have a great presentation. It's so that we're really thinking through. And, and sometimes it's hearing those other perspectives. And I've shared before, I love having a woman's perspective preaching because you think of things differently than I do. You see the world differently. Megan, when you preach, same thing. And it's so nice to have those voices. And I hope everyone at Zion understands how blessed we are with the quality of staff and people that we have uh, who love Jesus, who love each other, and really love this church and our city. Uh, if you found this podcast helpful, do me a favor, share it, go on, share it with a friend. Um, but also, and I don't know when we're going to do it, but soon we're actually going to do a podcast dedicated to just answering questions. And so we're going to have a way for you to submit your questions so that we can do a whole podcast dedicated to just questions that you have around faith, the Bible, um, spirituality, Christianity, all those things. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening and being with us. And until next week, I'm Jason. Hope's left. <laughs> I'm Megan. And Jennifer. Hey, have an awesome day. And we hope to hear you, hope to see you. Be Hope you'll join us next week. <laughs> have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown. And now a bonus clip for your enjoyment. Go ahead, answer the... Okay. You just studied it. In Leviticus... Say it with us, Leviticus. It's a fun one. Leviticus. You didn't say it, John. Actually, Leviticus. it's Thank also you. in Deuteronomy as well. Deuteronomy? Um, anyway. Deuteronomy. Um, basically, Leviticus is the book of, like, the laws, okay? The God, yeah, like, and some of them are ridiculous to our culture today, and we don't completely understand them, okay? But there was a law called, it was the year of Jubilee. Every seventh <clears throat> year, uh... Slaves had to be set free. So if you owned a slave, you had to release that slave. It was actually the seventh of the seventh year, so the 50th year. Okay. So the year of Jubilee was every 50 years because it was seven times seven. So every seven years you had to go fallow, and you had to, and, and that was the seven years. And then on the seven times seventh, which was 49 years, so on the 50th year was the year of Jubilee. Okay. And that, I did actually see 50th somewhere, but I didn't understand yeah. how that worked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fix that for the sermon.
Great. Um, so your slaves had to be, you had to free them. <clears throat> All slaves. All slaves. Uh, the prisoners were set free. So if you were in prison, you were set free. All debts were canceled. If you owed me something, it was canceled. Property was returned back to the original owner, like to the families. So if I, so, and, and basically it's this idea of, and Jubilee is celebration. That's what Jubilee means. And so imagine the celebration that would happen every 50 years. When, if you're a prisoner and you're set free, if you're a slave and you're released, or if your family's land was given back to you, if all your debts were canceled. And just like the freedom of that and the celebration and the joy that comes with that. <clears throat> and so we were talking about this in the summer week there. Actually, the Israelites never, there's no, there's no evidence that they actually did it. And so it's kind of this <laughs> funny thing. But here, but here, that alone shows the evidence that we need Christ. Because a human cannot, we just can't do that. We're just not that faithful. Um, so a Messiah comes along uh, and cancels our debt, sets prisoners free releases slaves into freedom and like that that's something that we get every single day for the rest of our lives so in in contrast one of the stories that jesus tells that kind of echoes the year jubilee is uh the person who's upset because the the master pays him for a day's wage more than he got even though he came on in a later hour so imagine, and this is part of the reason why they think that the Jews never did it. One is they were never faithful for 50 years, long enough to actually accomplish and it. And now that you say 50, okay. Because I was like, seven years? You can't hold it in for no. seven years. But I mean, no, even 50, that I know would be impossible. Years. Seven That's times right. seventh year. Yeah. But here's the bigger part. Um, imagine you've been in slavery for 48 years, and this guy's been enslaved for a year, and he gets to go free. Yeah. Why yeah. did I have to go through 48 years of suffering? Or that guy just got all of his debts released, like, or but, or how about this? This guy's got a ten million dollar debt, and you've got a two dollar debt. Both get erased. Right. That's. And so it's no wonder they couldn't do it because it, you you are incapable of seeing past it through human eyes. You're always going to go, well, that's not fair. And that's the point. It's God's and the grace. Point is, is, it's grace. It's grace. It's, it's not, not about fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when Jesus tells that story, that's kind of the echoing of the year of jubilee is. No, it's the, God wants to say, hey, I'm going to give you 50 for two hours worth of work, and I'm going to pay you 12 for a day's work. That's my job. I determine. It's not about fairness. Yeah, right. So now you understand why the 50 was, yeah. So every seventh year, you had you had other things that you were supposed to do that were seasons of rest. So like uh, a field was supposed to lay fallow every yeah. seventh year. Um, calves were not supposed to give birth every seven years, or cows were not supposed to give birth every seven There were all kinds of things on seven. You know what's crazy? None of us in this room would have experienced a year of Jubilee yet. Yeah. Well, no. Imagine that's, living your whole life. Well, okay. Depends on when you were when All the right, year of Jubilee fine. was. Oh, yes, you're right yeah. about that. I was not thinking but properly about that. But from year but zero. From year zero. Yeah, like that's kind of. I'll vow to though. <laughs> a few more years. I'm coming up to my Jubilee year. Let us we're know how have, it is. We're gonna have a Jubilee, and we're gonna get the song. As long as you get rid of all my debts, sure. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a big student wow, debt. Wow, can you imagine every 50, every, like your 50th birthday just... All debts are gone. However, my house nope. will be returned back to its previous yeah, owner. Yeah, and yeah, nobody would pay for any, like nobody would own anything. Do you know how great it would be to actually have a day where everyone like brings back the stuff that they've borrowed from you? Or like you are able <laughs> to give back the stuff that you've borrowed from others? Like I'm I, just thinking about the stuff I have in my house of like... I do have stuff that are is other people's. I don't. There's just a day dedicated to like 
I don't have that. <laughs> I'll just set my own. I right? give people stuff their back. I hate holding on to people's stuff. People yeah, have lots of have? my stuff, though. I don't know. Like, I have a tablecloth at my mom's. I feel like you can get out. That's family. I don't That's know. Different. Yeah, like, I borrowed Tupperware. Like, I oh, I do have a piece of Tupperware sure. that I don't know who it belongs to. Yeah, I don't know. Just you get weird things that you're like, whose is this? So <laughs> when we moved here... Uh, we didn't have any beds, and so everybody kept on dropping off air mattresses for us. But we didn't ask for them. <laughs> and then they come back and like, can I have my air mattress? I'm like, I don't know which one is yours. And we had, I had like two people who never got their air mattresses back because I didn't know they dropped them off. And then they're like, well, where's my air mattress? I'm like, what air mattress? Well, the one I dropped off. I didn't know you dropped off an air mattress. <laughs> so yeah, it was. They so were they trying. Are, to, they're looking for a year yeah. jubilee. I need the year of Jubilee, apparently. I need to be forgiven for holding on to something I didn't even know I had. 